Welcome to Australian Hiker, your online hiking resource. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. This is episode 101 of the Australian Hiker podcast, and in this week's episode, we're going to be talking about packing your fears. So what does it actually mean to pack your own fears? It's, it's a, a, a saying that many of you may, may or may not have heard, but what does it actually mean? And simply put, I suppose this phrase relates to carrying things in your pack based on your worries or your fears, uh, your worst case scenario. If you think that you'll be cold, you'll pack to avoid that. If you think you'll be hungry, you'll carry lots of food. Uh, And the issue here is that when we first start out hiking, our lack of knowledge and skills mean that with nothing else to go by, we give in to these fears and end up overpacking. And in most cases, we do this big time. Now, it's not going to cause a huge issue as such, but what it is going to do is it means we're going to be carrying more weight than we necessarily need to. And as a result, we're going to be going through and enjoying ourselves less on a hike. And I give you an example here that um, when Jill and I transitioned from uh, overnight hiking or day hiking into multi-day hiking, uh, we went into a wilderness area just outside of Canberra for a three-day hike. Uh, it was during the middle of a fairly intensive drought period, uh, and we were very concerned about the amount of water that we were going to be able to find available uh, on the hike. So we ended up carrying um, two days' water just to be on the safe side. Now, as it turned out, it wasn't really necessary Uh, but um, what it did mean is we were carrying overly heavy packs, which on very steep inclines meant we weren't enjoying ourselves. Yeah, I think think that's true. We weren't enjoying ourselves because we were carrying a little bit more than we needed to, but I don't really think that the issue is about the weight. I I, I think it's about the the doubt and... um, the lack of confidence that comes with that fear, I think. Uh, so, you know, the, the the weight's almost a consequence, not not the point, and for me anyway. And, you know, I think if you give in to those fears, um, that's when you potentially do start to get into trouble. So if you think about it in terms of, how to how to how to overcome them? How to um, manage them if they arise? All of those sorts of good things. I think it's a much more empowering way to think about the fears. So in today's episode, we're going to be looking at how not to pack your fears. All right. So the first thing we're going to go through and look at is comfort on the trail versus comfort in camp. And what we mean by this is that while Jill and I try to promote lightweight, ultralight hiking, what we're really talking about here is more about the comfort level that you want. 
So if you want to be comfortable on the trail as you walk from campsite to campsite, particularly over a period of multi-days, um, you um, carry as little as you possibly can. If you want to be comfortable in camp, you might carry a lot of weight, which means your pack's going to be heavier to carry. Um, but as a result, when you get to camp at the end of the day, you're going to have lots of comfort features. Things like camp shoes, um, a change of fresh clothing for each day of the week. Um, you might have um, um, uh, a, uh, an audio book of some type. Um, and really the choice is yours. I think that the thing is you have to decide what's important for you, you know, and I think uh, if you really thought about it, not all of those things would be important. And and I think, uh, you know, when we're talking to people out on the, the trail, they do say I would, I would not, um, I would not travel without my Kindle or an, or an audio book or my pillow or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, but I think, you know, your comfort doesn't rely actually on a lot of things. It probably relies on a few things. And when we were doing the coffee um, episode a few weeks ago, um, you know, I think one of the the big things about that was deciding whether or not it was really that important. Um, and if it was, you know, you 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 wouldn't compromise um, to the point of, you know, having a fancy little coffee thing and all of that kind of good stuff. Um, if it wasn't, you'd drink tea. <laughs> you know? Now, as an example of this, uh, if Jill and I are going on an overnight hike, the food we carry we, 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 <laughs> is we, a lot. Yeah, is a lot and will be very different than what we'll carry on a multi day or multi week hike. You know, for us, an overnight hike, we're carrying camembert and blue vein cheese, we're carrying pate and uh, we're carrying lots of chocolate. Uh, and the stuff that, you know, we'd, we'd do if we're sitting at home on a weekend having a really nice, nice pig, pig out sort of meal. Um, but um, that's the sort of thing that. Um, for us, it's it's a luxury, and we can do it on a, on an overnight hike, but we can't necessarily do it on a, a multiple day hike. Well, we probably could. We're just choosing not to. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the next thing we're going to go through and look at is get out there, uh, and essentially, the more you do, the more you learn, and the easier it becomes. So if you think about when you first started hiking. Everything was new. You weren't quite sure what to do. You had limited skills. You probably had limited fitness as well for, for hiking at least anyway. Um, and if you hadn't had someone that was helping you, you might think that, oh, look, I need to carry um, a, uh, a full set of, um, of cooking gear. I need to, to carry three pots and a fry pan and, uh, and all these sort of things that you may or may not need. Um, but without actually realising it, you carry it more because you think you're going to need it, not because you actually do need it. Um, and I think what this is one of these sort of things that if you go camping or go hiking with more experienced friends, particularly when you are, are starting out, um, having someone to sort of show you the ropes makes quite a big difference. And they can say, look, really, I don't think you... Uh, you actually need to, to carry all this sort of stuff. Um, you know, you limit what you carry. Um, and 
the more you hike, the more experience you gain, the more skilled you become, and you can start making more informed choices. Yeah, and I think the more confidence you have in uh, the, the, the set of things that you are carrying and also confidence in uh, if I need something, uh, I'll be able to accommodate it in some other way. So the next thing we're going to look at is reduce what you carry. Um, as obvious as that sounds, it is just making sure that what you have in your pack is the absolute uh, minimum to some extent, maybe optimum um, for what you need for the trip that you're doing. Um, so, you know, we don't usually suggest that you minimize things like safety gear or first aid kits, those sorts of things, but anything else, just think really, really carefully about whether or not it's actually going to be useful for you. And I think in this sort of instance here, when we first started hiking, we carried a plate, a bowl, a cup, uh, a knife and fork each, uh, as well as a spoon. Um, and most of which we didn't end up using. So you'd sort of push half of this stuff out of the way, grab what you needed, and then put it back in the pack again. Um, so as Jill said, for the majority of the hikes now, we really limit what we carry. Um, and as a result, it's it's not that we ha- we enjoy ourselves any less. It's just we're carrying less. Uh, we're using what we're actually carrying. Now, apart from reducing what you're carrying, um, it's also a matter of looking at carrying gear that's multi-purpose or carrying items that are multi-purpose. So you need to take a long, hard look at your equipment. Can it be used for more than one purpose? And and examples of this might be um, your, at least in my instance, uh, I use my clothing pack as my pillow. Um, I've gotten quite used to it. It's comfortable. Um, I... Uh, don't necessarily need to carry a specific pillow on a hike, uh, but you may choose to, and that's fine. So another thing to think about is hygiene. And I I, I know that day to day, I don't think I carry a lot of stuff in my handbag, but I'm sure there's a lot of stuff in my handbag that I don't actually um, need. But it does have things like, you know, a chapstick and a lipstick and, and, and a comb and this, that and something else. Um, I could carry all of those things when I go hiking too, um, but the reality is I probably don't need them. Um, there are some things that I won't go without, uh, toothpaste and toothbrush, and uh, we have used um, the toothy tabs Uh, I can't quite come to them. I don't quite get it. Um, So I will stick with a toothbrush and toothpaste. Um, But again, you know, what what you're saying is uh, if this is about packing your fears, my fear is one day my teeth will fall out. Now, I think that's pretty unlikely, I know. I live in a modern world and, you know, I'm I'm obsessive about going to the dentist. Um, But if that means I need to carry a proper toothbrush and and normal toothpaste, then I will do that. I think one of the things that's worthwhile mentioning here, if, if uh, for one of the most popular hiking movies over the last few years is Wild, and there's a scene um, where Reese Witherspoon is having a, a pack shakedown 
and um, uh, the guy there is going through and saying, do you need this and do you need that? And one of the things is, do you need deodorant? Um, and her comment is, she smells all the time. And I think it's one of these things that if you're going on a long-distance hike... Um, you're going to smell all the time, no matter how much deodorant you take with you. <laughs> you are. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's, you know, do you really need to carry perfume or deodorant with you? Um, and as Jill said, you are going to smell. So maybe just don't worry about smelling bad because everybody else smells just as bad. Well, it was, you remember that fellow when we, young fellow, when we were hiking in um, Peru and uh, he felt that he, he smelt pretty bad. And I, I gave him a, you know, uh, a half empty pack of, uh, you know, fresh wipes. And uh, he was very, very grateful for that. He assured us that we would be grateful too. But um, we probably didn't notice it as much as he did. But he definitely was appreciative of the loan. Oh, well, it wasn't a loan. I just gave them to him and didn't want them back. <laughs> Okay, so the next thing we're going to look at is a bit of an odd, odd sort of heading here, and that's geeking out. Um, now, Jill and I own a lot of gear. Um, really? And I, I suppose, okay, I suppose I own a lot of gear. And sometimes you have... And I have to carry some of it. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes you have multiple options to choose from. So your goal may not to become a, a, an ultralight hiker, but knowing the weights of all your, all your gear, including how much a fully loaded pack uh, weighs... Um, is something that will make you think about what you carry. Um, and what often amazes me is that you will see on various websites and in various books and in various magazines, you know, the discussion on how much your pack should weigh. Uh, and I see figures typically ranging between 25 to 30%. Um, and for me, that would be a roughly a 30 kilo pack. Um, and there's no way knowing. I'm a, I'm a big muscular guy. I'm not comfortable carrying that much weight. It's just it's just going to totally ruin the enjoyment of a hike. So I think really from my perspective, 20% of your body weight is probably the maximum that I ever want to carry, with the rare exceptions when I'm carrying multiple days of water because there's no other option. Good good thing about that is that you can drink the water so it gets lighter. It does. Your it pack does. gets lighter. As the day goes on. Um, now, these days, it uh, things like digital kitchen scales are fairly common. Um, you can uh, actually get scales that will weigh down to sort of uh, grams. Um, and as a result, you can go through and sort of see what your gear does actually weigh. So um, I, I can be a bit obsessive. So I own two sets of kitchen scales and they're not that expensive. <laughs> Um, as well as a, uh, a heavier weight scale, which I picked up from one of the camping stores, uh, to actually weigh the pack. Um, and that way it gives me an indication, or, or at least gives me pause for thought about whether I've packed too much gear or not. Um, I may actually think that I've got everything right and I've got my systems pretty much down to, uh, down to uh, a pat at the moment, uh, but... Uh, I'll go through usually before I go on a trip, pack, um, weigh the weigh my actual backpack itself, uh, unpack everything, and then see what I need. And you know, and, and the, the weight at least gives me an indication whether I've got it right or not. Yeah. So those uh, luggage scales and little hooks on them um, are also great for 
managing your training regime as well because you can easily measure or weigh your pack and and work out how much you're carrying when you're training. You know, I think uh, for this one, um, it, it it's not just the weight of the pack. I think it's the volume of the pack and I think it's how you're packing um, as well. And um, I, I do... I do worry um, when I see people with, you know, long skinny packs. Uh, they come way above their head and uh, they're not taking advantage of the centre of gravity. Um, so, you know, they're quite unbalanced and, um, uh, it, yeah, just have to think about all of that. Um, and if everything that you need is going to make your pack that long and that hard to uh, get on and off and, you know, walk easily and so on. You have to wonder about what you're really carrying. So the next thing we're going to talk about is researching the weather. And this is probably one of the, the uh, I think it's a real extreme. It's either uh, a really big fear that people have getting caught in adverse weather conditions or they're so blasé about it, uh, they don't even carry the basics. So, you know, there is a happy balance. Um, and, y- you know, when you're on a short trip, it might be a couple of days and you're in a climate where the uh, the weather doesn't change too much, then, you know, maybe put your fears aside and uh, the worst that can happen is you might get a little bit wet if... if um, the, the conditions change. Um, but if you're in changeable weather conditions, uh, then you, you still need to pack for that and you need to be thinking about that. So just try and test your own concerns. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess what we're saying in all of this is, um, you know, because it's a fear, sometimes you uh, forget about being rational and objective uh, your fear takes over. So in adverse weather conditions, do a bit of research, work out what is likely to happen um, and pack accordingly uh, rather than pack everything or pack nothing. <laughs> I think a good example of this for me is uh, for a number of years, and, and this is partly a function of of budget and, and, and what I'm actually doing, is you know when you first start out hiking, you tend to have a sleeping bag that will do everything you you want it to do. But if you only own one sleeping bag, you've really got to cater for your coldest conditions, which means it's likely to be a bit excessive and a bit bulky for when it's really warm. So for for a few years, I was running with just one sleeping bag. It was rated down to minus six. I'm a, a warm sleeper. So typically I'd have the thing unzipped uh, for the majority of the time, and it was you know even when we did get down to zero and minus one, um, I still wasn't wearing anything apart from you know just a pair of underpants, and that was it. So I've now got to a stage where I do own multiple sleeping bags, and I, and I can justify it. I know it's not not you can't always have the budget or be able to justify that, but it means that um, you know if I know the that I'm not expecting minus six or seven degree temperatures. I can get away with a, a much lighter, uh, uh, less warmer sleeping bag. And as a result, that tends to reduce the weight and the bulk within the pack. 
So one of my fears is about being cold at night. So I have one sleeping bag. I probably have two, but I really only use one sleeping bag. And uh, it will keep me warm, really warm when it's really cold. And if I don't need to be that warm, I will just throw it to one side. <laughs> That's how I deal with it, Tim. <laughs> yes, yes, I know, because it takes up three quarters of the tent. Um, and we've given the example in the written article of this on, on Larapenta Trail. Um, it's quite funny that, you know, when you you tend to associate deserts with being hot, and they are, but they're also very cold. So in our Larapenta trip on, in 2016, the temperature range we had only over some days ranged between about zero degrees and 30 degrees Celsius. So, you know, we, we had to pack for a fairly broad range of uh, of temperature conditions. Um, and again, this comes down to uh, um, experience and knowledge and skill that if you know that, you'll pack for that rather than thinking, oh, yeah, look, it's not going to be particularly cold. I'll, I'll uh, pack something fairly warm and I'll be fine at night time. So it's... Um, yeah, in Jill's case, yeah, she's got a sleeping bag that does it down to a minus eleven. She was quite toasty on that trip. <laughs> I was very happy, thank you. Look, I think the other thing is about this is is your layering system. Um, pretty much, whenever you're doing more than a couple of days, it will go with you wherever you are. And I think, um, you, you know, once you get into the routine of um, uh, a, a number of uh, different camping experiences, you'll you'll work out soon enough the absolute minimum that you you'll need. And you know, for some people, they might think, well, the minimum is what I'm wearing. Um, but really, to be safe and to be again, uh, use that word, comfortable, um, the minimum goes a little bit further than just what you're wearing. Okay, and finally, uh, the last thing we're going to look at is creepy crawlies. Um, there is, from my perspective, I hate ticks. Um, I and again, this is a pun that it's totally intended. I'm a tick magnet. Uh, if there's a tick anywhere within a square kilometre, and I have bare skin, I will find it. Or not <laughs> bare skin, because we've had that experience too. Um, so as a result, these days. I don't hike in, um, you know, or in very, only in very rare circumstances will I hike in short sleeves and, and short pants. I've, I've got long pants on all the time. I've got long sleeve shirt on. Um, and as soon as I walk through a, a fairly scrubby sort of uh, bush area in, in a tick area where I'm having to brush past branches and long grass, I'll stop and check because... Uh, as as Jill said, um, the last time I picked up a tick, uh, I'd actually discovered it you know, three days into an overseas holiday in Fiji uh, when I'm thinking, what's that bump? Uh, and sure enough, it was a tick I'd picked up uh, a day before I travelled. Um, so it, as a result, as I said, I, I hike in long sleeves with long pants. Now, my creepy crawly is um, mice. I just can't handle mice. And... You know, you don't generally see them when you're wandering around and, and hiking during the day. But for me, it's more about um, 
you know, securing my pack at night and making sure they don't get inside my boots and, um, you know, sealing things up and to the point that I will actually take the dry bag inside um, my pack at night and put pull it out and put my pack inside the dry bag and seal it up if it if my pack has to sit outside the tent. So that sounds like a little bit of excess and a little bit of paranoia, but that's my excess and my paranoia, my fear. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't stop hiking, uh, because there might be mice around. Um, but gee, I'm thinking about what I can do and therefore what I need to carry that will enable me to cope with them if I encounter them. Okay. So what it comes down to is it doesn't matter what your fears or worries are, because everybody does have at least something that they worry about. I, I think we've just shared a few of our own. <laughs> um, and as a result, we'll all carry items which other people may may deem to be unnecessary. Um, however, there are some things that you can't jettison. And for example, you need to carry a first aid kit. Now, this might be as simple as some Band-Aids um, and uh, a splinter pick, and that's about it, uh, or it might be much more complex. It's really going to depend on the length of the hike, on the environment you're going to, whether you're hiking solo or in a group. Um, that's going to be one of those things that varies, but you, everybody sh- should have their own personal first aid kit. And if it's a big group, you might find there's a, a group kit that's got uh, items that are shared between the, the group as a whole. The other thing you may class as carrying for fear's sake is some sort of personal locator beacon or emergency beacon. It could be uh, things like the spot or the Garmin inreaches. Um, and if you're solo hiking, really you should be carrying uh, a locator beacon of some sort. It doesn't matter how experienced you are. It doesn't matter how how much skills you have or how fit you are. Accidents do happen. Uh, and there's been instances in the news over the last uh, four to five months of experienced hikers disappearing um, and not being found or being found uh, seriously injured or even, even dead on the trail because an accident has occurred and they haven't been able to contact. I think the other thing with beacons as well is they're also a bit of packing your family's fears as well. Um, and, you know, I went on a five-week-long trip last year and Jill knew exactly where I was at just about any stage uh, because I was carrying a beacon that she could track me on. Um, so, you know, if sometimes your family might be not overly happy about you wandering off into the middle of nowhere, and this is a way of, of, of minimizing their fears. Yeah, I'd agree with that. That, that was probably the best thing that, uh, I don't know how much that was, but I'm sure it wasn't cheap, but that was the best thing that, um, Tim could have, uh, purchased um not for him but for me it was it was a real comfort and uh uh, I just know how much of a comfort it was when um that little track stopped moving the little little arrow on the trail stopped moving every now and then um because uh he was out of satellite range or something you know um so I just know how I felt when 
that happened and how happy I was when it started to move again. So what it really comes down to, um, what you carry is really up to you, but do so with the knowledge that you're carrying it for a reason and that you are actually using it. Just remember to reassess your pack on a regular basis and only carry what you really want to or what you really need to. And now it's time for our regular five-star iTunes reviews. So I'll get Jill to kick us off. So this is a good one from ZW. I don't know what it means. You know what they say about blokes with big boots? They've got big socks. I guess that's true too. Okay. Um, So Rusty Man said, useful podcast, great podcast, nice to hear about walking tracks in Australia. From Mad Appleby, very easy to listen to and very informative. And we also have from Adrian C5, easy presentation style, very enjoyable to listen to, nice to have Australian-specific details presented. So if you want to go through and hear your review read out on our podcast, please go through and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. And thanks to those five-star ratings that we've already received. That's all for this week's episode. In our next regular episode to be released in two weeks' time, we'll be talking about the health benefits of hiking. As always, you can listen to this podcast on our website at www.australianhiker.com.au, on Stitcher Radio, Spotify and iTunes. And to help get the message out there, please go through and give us a five-star review on iTunes. That's all for this week. Bye for now. And bye from me.